How's everyone today? Good. So as Brian mentioned, um, we're kind of continuing in this theme. Um, it's a beautiful theme, God-heartedness, learning, uh, learning to love like Christ. Last week, Devin spoke on the subject of God's heart for the stranger. And um, this morning, we're going to speak about, actually uh, the title kind of has double meaning a little bit, uh, God's heart for your heart. Uh, what is God's heart for our hearts? And then uh, the, the double meaning is kind of like this, that God has designed us and created us, that it's possible for, for God's heart to become our hearts. And uh, this is what we'll be speaking about this morning. So we're going to begin with the text, Matthew chapter 6. And um, in this text, there's actually two parts. First part is Jesus is speaking about the heart. And then he is also he speaks about the eye. Okay, so we'll begin and just uh, we'll read through this. this I, on the board, I think it's uh, English Standard Version. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 23. So it begins this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So this this part, this, this segment is really important for our message this morning. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Next, the eye is the lamp of the body. The eye. Not eyes, the eye. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad... Literally, the word there is evil in Greek. If your eye is evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Okay, so let's just pray. So Father, again, I just ask that you would bless your word to our hearts and uh, speak to us very deeply. Speak to us with words that only your spirit uh, can utter. And uh, thank you for each person who's here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, I don't know if you've, uh, if you've heard, I don't think there's been any general announcement yet, but uh, there's some, Brian has a plan to later on in the fall to begin some classes um, uh, Bible, like Bible college level classes, not not real formal, but just opportunities to to study the Bible more in depth. And um, I've many years of of ministering overseas uh, on the mission field in Thailand and and, and in uh, Korea. I found that it is possible for someone to be a Christian. I find it here too, but. It's possible to be a Christian for many, many, many years 
and only understand the Bible in a very superficial way. I can study the Bible, I can know it, you know, I can know the whole Bible, but it's only like a quarter inch thick as far as my understanding goes. And this is one of the things I, I, I love about this church and Pastor Brian. He's, when he teaches the Bible, it's not superficial. He goes to the heart. And um, anyway, so in this context of maybe Bible college, have any of you ever heard the word hermeneutics? Hermeneutics, a few. Hermeneutics. Uh, anyone never heard the word hermeneutics? Never heard it? Okay. So hermeneutics is, is kind of a theological word. It's a, um, it, it, it is a class, actually part of very basic Bible college, Bible seminary learning, and, and it's learning how to interpret the Bible. What are the rules? What is, what is a, a logical, proper approach, a healthy approach to when we study the Bible, uh, what are some very basic rules and then how to interpret? So, what, so one, many, most of these are all very common sense. One very reasonable, right? When we study a passage, we're studying it in the context in which the passage is written to understand accurately and to interpret what God is saying. We study and we look at the context. Okay, it just it makes sense. Um, but for today's message, I want to begin with another principle. It's called the first mention principle. And what it means is very simple. It means where does the Bible, where in the Bible is this subject first mentioned? First mentioned. So we're speaking about the heart. The heart. Where does the Bible first mention this subject of the heart? And if you have your Bibles, you can open the first First place is in Genesis chapter 6. And uh, this is an amazing passage. Because in this passage, it doesn't just mention man's heart. It also mentions God's heart. In the same passage, speaks of man's heart and God's heart. So let's uh, just look at this together. It says... So this is Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. And if you know the context, this is just before the flood. Just before God destroys the, the whole earth, saving Noah and his family. So this is, what, this is what precedes the flood. It says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So in this passage, we have both man's heart, man's, we say, man's fallen heart, after sin, man's fallen heart, the same verse, same passage, God's heart. And it says God is grieved. Knowing man's heart, God is grieved. Now, what's, what's amazing about this verse is that, um, you know, if we are examining our own hearts, who would say this about even our, my own heart? Who would say that every thought and every intention of my own heart is only evil continually? Who would say that? 
Who would say that about, I, you know, even their, they, even their worst enemy? What do we say? Well, there's something good in his heart. Right? This is, this is actually what is believed around the world, that not everyone is 100%, but there's something good in the heart. I think this is one of the greatest lies on the earth today. To say, oh, I, I have a pretty good heart. My heart is good. I do some bad and stupid things, but, but my heart was good. What does God say? And this now comes back to our reference of the eye back in Matthew chapter 6. The eye. This mean, the eye speaks of perception. How does God see? How does God judge the human heart? And ultimately, the question is this, do I agree with God's perception, with God's eye, or do I stick with my own, my own evaluation, right? So, man's heart, and then he also mentions God's heart. God was grieved. Why was God's heart grieved? Anyway, so let's now go back to, uh, back to Genesis, uh, Matthew chapter 6, and uh, we want to think a little bit more about what is the heart. What is the heart? So Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In, the, in, in common use, you know, we, we speak about the heart. What is the heart? Well, okay, one, we have the physical heart. Our heart, our physical heart pumps the blood. But Jesus is not talking about this. In common communication, I think generally there's not a precise definition that commonly people use. When we use of the heart, how's your heart today? Actually, I'm kind of speaking about my, my, maybe my emotions. How is, how's your heart today? You ever hear this one? Follow your heart. Hey, you, we need to follow, whatever you do, follow your heart. Whatever you do, follow your heart. Well, what, what is actually the reality of the state of my heart? Can I trust my heart? So when Jesus says this, where your treasure is, I think this, this very simple, simple verse actually gives us the, the first, most basic part, definition of the the accurate definition of heart, the human heart, and in, in respect also God's heart. When heart is used in the Bible, Jesus said this is where your treasure is. It means what is, what is most valuable to you? What do you value? What is most important to you? This is what is in your heart. The heart is the place where our most fundamental, most deepest values are. So if, I, if in my heart my treasure is money, you ever worry about money? Anyone ever worry about money? You don't have to raise your hands. <laughs> why, why do we worry about money? Because actually money is, is a very valuable thing in my heart. But what does Jesus say about it? He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. He's like saying, don't worry. 
let who the Father is, let who I, let, let you know, my words and my promises and my reality be the treasure, your treasure in the deepest parts of who you are. It's actually very simple. The treasure. What is in my heart? What is in our heart? So later we're going to be speaking about the old heart. You know, our old heart. In our old heart, what does God say? Every thought and every intent of the heart is only evil continued. You know when, when this is said in, in Genesis 6 we just read? You know what God says in Genesis chapter 8 after the flood? About the human heart? Only Noah and his family are there. What's God say about the human heart after the flood? He says the same thing. He says the same thing. The fallen heart is not getting better. The fallen heart, from God's eyes, from God's perspective, nothing good. Nothing good. What is the heart? So let's go on next to this. Next, uh, next what is the eye? Let's think about this for a moment. What is the eye? The eye is the lamp of the body. And Jesus said, if, if your eye is healthy, now the Greek word here is, is maybe a little bit difficult to interpret. It's, sometimes it's interpreted as good, healthy, single, single. The Greek word for healthy, the, it actually comes with a picture. And the picture is like a bed sheet that's laid out perfectly flat. If your eye is single, if your eye, if your perception, if your perception of reality, if, you're, if what you're looking at is flat, spread out like a bed sheet with no wrinkles, this is a good eye. This is a healthy eye. This is how God sees and perceives everything in reality. Is like this, there's no complexity. It's just very simple. Like this, this bed sheet. And God is calling us to have a perception that is in agreement with God's. There's a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Maybe you know it, but, or you've heard it before. Paul says, we do not live by sight. We don't live by our own sight, our own perceptions, our own eye. Why? Because my eyes, our perceptions have so many wrinkles. I, when I judge you, I judge you differently than me. I give myself maybe a whole lot more grace than I would give you. I, I don't judge justly. Or for some people, it's actually the opposite. People are really hard on themselves. And they judge others with you know, much grace and much understanding. But the thing is, is that when God judges, when God sees, it's very simple. There's three things we, ha we have in common with everyone around the world. And this is how God sees. Everyone around the world. Everyone was created in the image of God. Every single person created in the image of God, this beautiful masterpiece God has created for His purposes. Second, everyone around the world is a sinner. Everyone is, is born into this world under the sin that came in from Adam and the condemnation and the death spread to all men. 
is common to all of us. It's very simple. It's very simple. No wrinkles. Everyone is created by God in His image and are therefore are precious to Him. We are His treasure in His heart because we are created in His image. Second, we're all fallen. Very simple. And the, and the wages, the, 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 the results, the wages of sin is death. Penalty of sin is death. Very simple. Third, common with every person in the world, Everyone's sins have been paid for. When Jesus died on the cross, He died once and for all. He declared it is finished. And He was declaring this for all people everywhere across from Adam to the last man on earth. Everyone's sins have been paid for. This we all have in common. And this is so, so important. It is so beautiful. It's so, so you, you can see, you know, we, it's easy to have God's eye. Simple. So now we have a now we have a beginning of a of a division after this. This God did as a gift to everyone, everyone around the world. Christ died for. He paid for. The redemption price has been paid. He's giving this as a gift to everyone around the world. So now on earth there's two kinds of people. Those who say, Yes, thank you. I am a sinner. When I look at my heart, I agree with you, God. There's nothing good in my heart. If, if, today, if today it was required that for the next month you had to be strapped to a machine that had a little sign over your head, and whatever you thought was displayed on this sign, and wherever you go, this sign is evident. What you're thinking is evident to everyone else around you. How many would be a hermit for one month? How many wouldn't go out of the house? I, I, I don't want people... If I'm honest, I don't want people to know what's in my heart. Thing is, I do, I do all these wrinkly excuses. I, I make excuses. I, I, I excuse my, my, my wicked thoughts. God doesn't. God can't. God can't. But He's paid for them all. He's paid for them all. So, if your eye is healthy, if your eye is single, if your eye agrees with God's eye, then your whole body, that means your whole life, every part is filled with life, light, and continuing to grow in light. But look at the next part. But if your eye is bad, if my perception, and the word there is actually the worst word in Greek for evil. It's paneros. It's, it's Satan's evil that is infectious to other people. If my eye is, is wrinkled, if my eye, I'm trusting what I see, I trust what I believe, I trust my opinion, I trust my words over God's words. And my whole body is full of darkness. My whole life. Is Jesus, Jesus is saying this. And he says, the light how, is, is actually darkness. I think it's light. I think it's true. But it's actually darkness. And how great is this darkness. Wow. These are strong words. But they're words of truth. 
that if in my heart, in my treasure, if I agree with God's words, if I agree with Jesus' words, it actually sets me free to think with God and actually to begin to receive His heart. So let's, um, let's think for a moment about God's heart. In our verse in Genesis chapter 6, verse 6, it says God's heart was grieved. So what grieves God? What grieves God's heart? What grieves God's heart? Well, in, in, in the context in Genesis chapter 6, he had seen that his precious creation, which was the treasure of his heart, had become so corrupt, become so corrupted and so rotten, that his relationship with narrowing fewer and fewer and fewer people, people were not interested to know God, not interested to have a relationship. No, like fewer and fewer people had God as their treasure. This grieves him. When I do, when I do not trust God, it grieves his heart. It's like a father. Anyone here ever disappointed your mom? Grieved your mother? Anyone ever make your dad cry? Why? Dad is just disappointed. Like this grieving is not first wrathful. It's not first, like it's not angry. It's not, it's not because of his anger. There is wrath. We're going to see in a moment, God hates but with his treasure, he's grieved. Tenderly grieved. Tenderly grieved. Next one, this. What, what pleases God? What pleases God? Devin mentioned it last week. You remember this verse, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. What, is God, what pleases God? He's so pleased when his, his children humbly, simply trust him. We hum, like everything else that I see by sight says, no, 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 no. But, God's, but, but God says, no, I love you. And in my little heart, I say, okay. I agree. You love me. This pleases God. You got financial problems? Oh, there's, those things are so small, so minuscule for God. What pleases Him? Just to trust Him. God, my, God, my, hand, my, my tomorrow is in your hands. Just trust Him. He is so pleased. Every time that you hear the Word of God and you choose to trust Him and believe Him and mix faith. The picture in, in Hebrews 4 is we mix faith with the Word of God. And it's actually, it's, a, it's an eating word. It's a digestion word. It's speaking about hearing the word of God and eating it and, and, and digesting and masticating it and it becomes who you are. His word becomes your treasure in your heart. Follow, what does God love? What does God love? We're talking about what is God's treasure? 
what, does God, what is in God's heart? What does the Bible say? He loves sinners. Thank God he loves sinners. He loves sinners. He so loved the world that he sent his only son. He loves sinners. What a sad thing when a man in his own pride, in his own arrogance of his heart, and says, I'm not a sinner. I'm a good man. I have a good heart. I'm a good man. I've done a lot of good things. God loves even that boastful, arrogant man. He loves him. What does God hate? This is also related, right? Actually, with real love, there also must be hate. If I, if, I re, if I love something, I also hate something. If there's no hate, um, it's not really love. He loves you. He loves people. He loves, he loves his children. So what does he hate? He hates anything that would separate us from him. He hates anything that would separate us, break this fellowship, break this relationship. He hates it. God hates sin. He hates it. You know how much God hates sin? He hates sin so much that He sent His only Son to come and suffer and die in our place. He hates it so much. This is God's heart. It's, and it's, and it's, it's very clear, very simple, like a sheet Stretched out with no wrinkles. Very clear. And it's amazing that when we very simply, we fear God in our hearts and we treasure what God treasures, we love what God loves, we hate what God hates. It's amazing to share and fellowship with God's heart. Where God becomes the treasure of my heart and your heart. His words, His precious little, little promises become the treasure of my life. So, now let's talk a little bit more about man's heart, our, our heart. I mentioned before about the old heart. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 is the first mention specifically of man's old heart. Continues on Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. What does it say? The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can understand it? This is not, this is not man's judgment of man's own heart. This is really important, right? I, I could read that and I say, well, sometimes. God says, no, all the time. Because what I say is good, God does not agree. heart is deceitful. What's this word deceitful? Deceit. Deceived. It means that I believe something is really true. I think something is light. When in fact it is darkness. I don't know if I'm deceived. I don't know I'm deceived. I'm deceived. I don't know that I, I'm wrong. But this is the state of the old heart. Our natural heart. And then he says... Who can understand it? Who can understand his own heart? The answer is no one. Unless 
I am hearing and receiving what God says about my heart. And the Holy Spirit teaches me about my old heart. Then I can, I can understand it. It's spiritually, re- spiritually revealed. It's spiritually taught. There's no other way to know the state of my old heart. Except God tells me. The Word of God reveals it. And thank God when He does. Because when He does, then I can confess. I can agree with Him. And say, oh God, you know what? That, that thought was so selfish. That thought was, I meant it. In my own intention, I meant it for good. But it's not good. It was not a faith. And he goes on, and the Lord's, the, I, is, God's speaking, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. There's a day of, a day of account, a day of reckoning. There's a day of judgment where all these things, these secrets that I don't want put on the, on the billboard over my head, I don't want anyone else to know, I try, and, I try and stuff it and pretend like I have a good heart. Oh, I have good thoughts. But one, one day, these things are going to be revealed. Unless they're taken care of. The next verse is in Proverbs 16, verse 5. It says, everyone who is arrogant, proud, in heart. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. This is a scary verse. Uh, this word abomination, this, um, has anyone ever eaten rotten food? Like you didn't know it was rotten, but that you, you ate it and even swallowed it maybe, and very soon you start like turning green, like retching is, uh, this is this word Abomination. Like it's disgusting, it is corrupt, it is, it is the, the arrogant, proud heart of the creature shaking his fist at the Creator. What an abomination. How, how ugly, how terrible. Everyone who is arrogant, now what is, what, is ter- what is really hard about this verse is this, is every one of us have a proud heart. Every one of us. And if I don't think I had a proud heart, I'm deceived. And I don't understand my own heart. So he says, and be assured, he will not go unpunished. Now here's where the gospel comes in. The proud heart has been punished by Jesus Christ on the cross. You have already been judged once for all on that cross in Christ once forever. The punishment's already been paid. You will not go unpunished. And Jesus took that punishment for us. And it's given to us as a gift when we simply agree with God's heart and God's judgment and God's eyes. We agree by faith. Faith happens in our heart. Faith happens in the heart. In the deep, not just in my mind, not just in my emotions, not just in my will. This is the soul. Deeper than the soul. In the heart. You hear God's word and you believe it. Everything Christ did, boom, given to you as a gift. And your sins, your proud heart is forgiven. It's gone punished and it's finished. Praise the Lord. 
But uh, God's got another plan than just our old heart. There's a verse in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. God says this, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. God has a new heart for us. Actually, it's His heart in us. His heart, His treasure in us. Replacing our old treasures, our old heart. This is God's plan. It's to give us His heart. Then the verse, Deuteronomy 6.5. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Why is heart first? It says heart, soul, and strength. Love God. What does it mean? It means have God be your treasure first. And this order is actually very important. It's not love God with all your strength, and then your soul, and then your heart. Life doesn't work that way. Many people try with all their strength, with all their effort, they love God. But the heart actually treasures other things. No, we've got it backwards. We've got to keep it in this order. Love God with all your heart. That means He is your treasure. He is your treasure. His words are your treasure. Christ's work is your treasure. And we have a new heart. We're actually designed and created to live and function in this heart. Day by day. So then lastly, in uh, conclusion. In Hebrews chapter 4, there's some insight into how we can have God's heart. How does it happen? How can we grow in God's heart? This passage, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. Verse 12, maybe you're all familiar with this verse. That God's word is like a double-edged sword. This sharp, living, powerful sword. And this gives us some of the nuts and bolts of how does it happen? How does it happen that our, our heart, our old heart, is substituted with God's heart? How does it happen? Well, we'll start in verse 11 because actually verse 11 speaks a bit about this first. So let us therefore strive to enter that rest. That rest. Hebrews chapter 4, the rest. It speaks of resting in faith in a relationship with God. And he uses this strange word, strive. Strive and rest. Do they go together? Work really hard to rest. It means like this. This is urgent. The only thing that matters is that you would trust God and learn to rest Because in your heart, you treasure what God treasures. To rest, relax. Worry about money? God, you have it. I'm going to stop? I'm going to stop. You know, worrying is sin. I worry about something. That is unbelief. That is not faith. When When we're worrying, I'm living in unbelief. So what can I do? Whatever it is I'm worrying about, I say, God... Show me your promise. Show me how you'll provide. Let your word come and correct my my bad eye, my evil eye. Correct me. Give me give me your eye. And God said, I'm I, I'm with you. 
I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will provide for you. Don't worry about tomorrow. So rest. So that no one may fail by the same sort of disobedience. He's speaking about the Israelites as an example. Coming out of Egypt, living in disobedience for 40 years in the wilderness. Not resting. Then he goes on. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit. The soul and the spirit. Soul and spirit. This is our immaterial man. This is who we cannot, who we are, we can't see. Your soul and your spirit. Normally, normally the soul is dominating our spirit. This is how we naturally live. Our soul dominates the spirit. When the word of God comes in, it pierces, divides, and now the spirit can dominate my soul. And let the joints and divide the joints and marrow. This is speaking of the body of Christ. And discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. The word of God going in and judging, revealing my, the thoughts of my heart. Why? So that I can agree with God. And no creature is hidden from, the, from his sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Wow. So this is just to just to finish now. This is this is God's plan. His plan is that we would we would receive what Christ has given to us, and then we would grow in the heart of God. Let our old heart, let the word of God discern and distinguish and pierce and divide and cut off all my own thoughts so that his thoughts would be established and we'd have a new heart. We'd actually have his heart. And this is God's heart for you and me. This is God's heart for our heart. To love as Christ's love is actually not difficult. If, if I have the new heart, ruling in my heart. If I treasure what God treasures, loving as Christ loved is not difficult. For my flesh, for my old heart, it's impossible. But for the new heart and who you are in Christ, it's not tough. You just rest. We're growing. God enables us. Amen?